0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Up the Vibe, and today I'm joined by Reverend Lois Gouray, who is a medium, minister, spiritual teacher, and UFO experiencer, and is the author of the book, Oh Fuck You, You Mean There's More. Great title.
1: (laughs) It is, it's a very catchy title.
0: Yeah, yeah. I must say the the expletive in there is spelled F, hashtag, percentage, K, if everyone needs to search it. Yeah,
1: well I wanted people to be able to have it in their house with young children and not be worried that they were going to. (laughs) running around it wasn't a
0: publisher (laughs) request or anything like that
1: (laughs) oh no 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 actually no no one is no one from that direction has said anything to me about (laughs) the title
0: yeah so if you wouldn't mind uh, so introducing yourself and tell us a bit more about the book
1: sure um like you said i'm a a spirit medium and a minister i did my i did a metaphysical bachelor's degree so that i could become a reverend Mostly, I'm a rescue medium, and that means that I do work with paranormal consultation and helping people with their supernatural experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a spirit medium, but I don't practice doing readings anymore. I've retired from that. Um, I had been doing it for so long that at a certain point I went, there's more that I have to offer rather than... um, I'd rather teach people how to do it themselves rather than them hiring me to do it for them is what it came down to. Uh, the book, the book I bounced the idea around for a lot of years and, um, something that not too many people know is that I had two false starts. And when we were in Newfoundland, Canada for my husband's job, um, I had those two false starts there and I was trying to figure out a way to compile them and I ended up just throwing them out and starting all over again from scratch, so the book started in 2016 and. Um, we. Uh, we were in Newfoundland for two years, so I wrote the bulk of it there, and then I finished it when we came back to BC and then it took a long time to publish, which is a whole other story all yeah. and of its yeah. own uh, it was. It was me wanting to give my uh, philosophies, my teaching, my guidance to a broader audience than just the people I encounter directly in BC. I wanted to, to branch out, yeah. you might say.
0: And, and, and tell us a bit more about what the, what the book is about.
1: Um, well, it really is an intrepid guide to spiritual evolution. I go through everything from the debate on the divine feminine and the divine masculine, uh, understanding fourth dimensional energies I touch on geomancy and alchemy mm-hmm. which is part of the rescue mediumship and the area work that I do uh, I talk about shadow technology because it's very prevalent and, and topical at this time in our evolution and I also include a chapter on my experiences with the extraterrestrial intelligence and I do quite a bit of um, connection to Stephen Greer. And then I go on to, I have quite a few eclectic friends. My daughter calls them hippies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's a younger generation, obviously. Um, and they have what I consider to be expert advice. And that includes Celia Hatch. Uh, mm-hmm. So I did a chapter, a quite long chapter where I asked three of my friends, Don Elzer, who does the Wildcraft Forest in Lummi, B.C., um, close to him, his neighbor, Vic, Dr. Victoria Wilder, because she got her doctorate this year, and I asked Celie Hatch to come in and um, talk about the connection between sustainability and spiritual evolution, because I think the two of them go hand in hand. So they gave me, I did interviews, I transcribed them. It's a really interesting read. And then after that, I talked about empathy. So there is a common thread through it, which Mm -hmm. is spiritual evolution. It's understanding um, where we came from as far as spirit and energy beings, our connection to universal consciousness and what it is that we're here to do during this generation with the cooperation of Mother Gaia or planet Earth.
0: And where have you get uh, most of your inspiration for, for the book in terms of um, a lot of these deep concepts?
1: Well, um, I, because I've been practicing so long, uh, since I was I started this when I was 17, is mm-hmm. when I entered the metaphysical community. Um, and I've had various different mentors um, and studied various different modalities and philosophies over that time uh, so there's that part of it there's the educational learn- learned side but the majority of the information that i have or that i get these days is from my spirit guides and also my mm-hmm. star fam so i'm in mm-hmm. communication with extraterrestrial intelligence a lot
0: okay and uh- what was your earliest memories of this ET contact
1: oh my goodness um my earliest memory is when i was three i have a memory of <clears throat> having a a visit i guess i was on board a craft
0: mm-hmm.
1: so a visitation i was on board a craft with these very tall humanoid beings and I was myself, the three-year-old little self (laughs) looking up at everything. So I have this visual memory of looking up at them, looking up at the control panels and the navigation area of the craft that we were on and feeling very connected and very um, loved, like I was, like there was something beyond my earth physical or spiritual aspect that connected me to this particular group of extraterrestrials.
0: I, I'm struggling yeah. to think um, how of memories that I had when I was three. So how 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 vivid is it in terms of oh, you know, from that it's age? It's
1: very, it's very, very vivid. It's a very small, so it's just um. So if you were, it would say it's just a snapshot, and then with the snapshot comes this feeling of connectiveness. Okay. but it's you know how you perceive the world when you're that young as being from your perspective everything is up mm-hmm. that's what it was like the the surfaces were very uh with a snapshot the surfaces are very clean streamlined there isn't anything um that is you know like we would see in in our environment there mm-hmm. was no nuts and bolts or screens or or Uh, screws or rivets or anything like that it was all just very clean straight edges so what do you remember
0: uh, about the tall beings they they were
1: very Aryan looking and that so that's my first memory of seeing that group of beings but it persisted right up until my 30s that I had contact with that particular group Uh, so by erin do you know what i mean you mean Um, blonde blue eyes not nordic blonde haired blue eyed beings yeah
0: and uh when was it that you figured out that this wasn't just a dream or something was it later in life or kind of did you oh not until i
1: was like 17 or so okay Uh, i worked with my first mentor um his name was frank vassell i don't even know if he's still around um and he helped me unlock a lot of uh, understanding about things that had happened to me up till that point. Because there was, he was the one who told me or at least helped me connect with the fact that I was um, a rescue medium because I didn't understand. And a lot of the things that I was experiencing or um, interacting with, we're not the mainstream medium type of things, so okay. I and I I don't know if you need any more information than that, but I can. Well, whatever
0: you, you care to elaborate on, because obviously there may be some sensitive areas that is there. Or
1: so a lot of mediums connect with just with spirit. Um, I was connecting with uh, environmental things. So I would see and be able to communicate with things that were going on in a forest. Uh, if I was in the city and there was something going on that wasn't exactly above board, I would, I would be able to feel that and sense it. It was like an empathic ability, but it was directed towards um, this needs to be helped. There's support that you can give to, to make this situation better. Does that make any sense?
0: <laughs> a little bit it sounds like a bit of a sort of a, maybe a clairvoyance or Claire, one of the clairs possibly. It, yeah, it is
1: a clairability. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, the clairabilities apply when you're talking about mediumship too. Yes.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so, what made you at the age of seventeen then approach uh, this person? Was there there certain events that made you feel I need to figure this out?
1: Um, I was. <laughs> My dad had bought a house in a place called Mission, B.C. And at that time, my parents were in the process of being separated and divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, And in order for him to get things fixed up, I was volunteering to live in there and look after the place. But the um, experiences that started to happen to me when I moved in there were uh, beyond anything that I'd ever had happened before so
0: paranormal
1: oh it was it was amazingly paranormal okay and it was first it was the first time I could as a teenager say that I had things going on that were disturbing and frightening okay. um I had uh, this being that we used to walk the house every night while I was trying to go to sleep which uh would wake me up and he'd be standing I, like not, I couldn't see him just clairvoyantly or with my psychic abilities. I was seeing him with my physical eyes too as the shadow, very tall, oh, savage, shadow very being. Tall being in, it was, it was a humanoid form. So it was somebody who had been, had a life on this planet and then died and was somehow associated with the house.
0: So you got to know a bit more about this, this presence.
1: I never got to know the exact story. So what happened and I'm sure that if I was to go back and take a look at it now, I'd probably be able to figure out all the pieces, but I was happy with what happened eventually, which was, um, finding this mentor I had, Mm -hmm. he went through the process of doing a house clearing with me for the first time. Okay. And putting all that to rest, and everything changed after that. When did you do work, house QHHT any or anything?
0: More. Any sort of? Pardon me. Did you do any QHHT or anything of that nature in terms of um, going back hypnosis or anything?
1: No, he didn't. No, no, no. it was purely uh, remote viewing, and um, then learning how to take that information that you got through remote viewing and apply it to uh creating a solution
0: okay so he did the remote viewing
1: correct okay yeah Yeah. because i had no idea what no (laughs) what i was doing yeah and i was way too i was way too affected at that point sure to be uh an affected effective agent (laughs) to correction yeah yeah
0: sounds like it's still tough now just talking about it
1: at that time it was very tough um when that being was walking around like I used to hear him start in the basement which was completely empty he'd come up the stairs and he'd wander around the house and you could feel and hear somebody walking
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um I used to cover my my head with my blanket and sing at the top of my lungs that Beatles song Mm -hmm. all you need is love (laughs) (laughs) and that's how I'd be able to to get my energy back to, I'm not so frightened anymore. And I can go back to sleep, okay. but yeah, it was, and that lasted probably about two and a half to three weeks that I was from the moment I moved in till Okay. Yeah. till we got a solution in place.
0: Do you talk about these experiences in your book at all?
1: Not that particular one. No, no. <laughs> but I do talk. I add a lot of ex- my personal experiences to the book. That was difficult because I really outed myself. Mm -hmm. Um, because friends and family are reading this that didn't know anything about these experiences which is always difficult right we used Mm -hmm. to call it coming out of the spiritual closet (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: and uh you you mentioned your family did i guess they didn't have um the same there's no history in there in the family in terms of these things there is yes there's
1: a very deep history uh as far as i know it goes beyond my grandparents' generation on both sides, but uh, the stories that I know are from my grandparents. Uh, in particular, in 2017, I got to spend a month in uh, the Winnipeg, Manitoba area of Canada, and we uh, I got to visit with my cousins, and then I learned that my grandmother, who was very, very Roman Catholic, um, So by that, I mean, she went to church twice a week. She did the Tuesday service and the Sunday service. Okay. Uh, She worked with the uh, priests. uh, And I actually learned that she had already, she had also been one of the people called during exorcisms. I didn't know that before. And that she was in contact with spirit quite often. She would uh, tell the rest of the family if someone had passed away before they even got notice of it, she'd know. So, and then my dad had, uh, my dad raised us on stories of the supernatural, things that had happened to him. And in addition to that, he was also an experiencer that had some really, um, he had good recall on things that had happened that he was able to tell me about
0: okay so what kind of experiences did you hear about from your father
1: uh for the for the extraterrestrial contact yeah, yeah um there's two that stick out in my mind uh when i was about 10 we used we had a cabin um at the northern end of pit lake it's boat access only and we were up there uh is this bc This is in BC, yes. So we were up there during the summer quite often for the entire summer holiday. Uh, During one of those um, summers, I woke up because they were busy cooking breakfast at an unusual hour. It was just getting light out, so in the summer that's probably about it's probably before five o'clock in the morning. And I came out of bed and I said, "What are you guys doing?" And they said, "Oh, well." we we were woken up about 2 3 o'clock this morning and there was a ufo outside in the middle of the base so we were watching it and i said well why didn't you guys get me up i don't know <laughs> which i now know as an adult is common yeah. there's some yeah. sort of mesmerizing thing that happens at the same time and um apparently they had watched it till the it started to get light out and then it took off and yeah, they were making breakfast and getting their coffee and everything at that (laughs) time in the morning. So that's the the one, the thing that sticks out in my mind is, you know, like, I really wish they had gotten me up. (laughs) (laughs) I would have liked to see it too, but I would also, they're both, they're both dead at this point. Um, I would also have liked to have heard more of the story like it would have been interesting to have the two of them uh, hypnotized so they could tell me what happened during that time because nobody's going to sit there for that long uh, so supposedly um, two, two to two and a half hours they were sitting there just looking at an object I don't think that's you know there's something else going on there there's more mm-hmm. to that story And then the other one was, uh, my dad was an alcoholic. So uh, when he was really into his addiction, he used to take uh, one of the smaller boats, which was just uh, an aluminum with an outboard motor on the back. And he would go up to the cabin by himself. This is after he had retired. So he had the free time. And uh, during one of those trips, he um, was coming back, and his, so here's his tale, as told to me, a couple of days after he got back from this adventure. He said the motor all of a sudden stalled, and it was getting dark, he was upset at himself for leaving his departure for so long so that he was in this situation he couldn't get the motor going so he decided he was going to start to row because rowing it probably would have taken him about an hour to get to where there was a boat launch and then he could have got out of the boat and the and the boat itself would not move so he was rowing and rowing and the boat's not going anywhere
0: mm-hmm.
1: so uh, i know the area he's talking about it was not shallow water or anything like that that was holding him back. There was some sort of otherworldly other force going on. And then he says that he remembers waking up. He was laying in the bottom of the boat. He woke up. It's daylight out. It's the next morning. He's in the exact same spot. Um, and he decides well, I'm going to try and start the motor again. The motor started first pull and he got home. So as he was going home, he was trying to figure out, well, what happened between me realizing the boat wasn't moving and me waking up the next morning. Mm. And the conclusion he came to was that he was taken the boat. Everything was taken aboard a craft and he was told to stop drinking Mm-hmm. Right. and he never touched a drop of alcohol after that so he went right. from being a really really toxic addicted alcoholic who was very dysfunctional to by the time he got home he didn't take another drop of alcohol
0: right okay so i guess with so the story itself healing... it's hard to really say oh what's going on here but that particular aspect to it kind of gives it a lot of yeah it gives it
1: a lot of weight because how could you not have detox symptoms how could he not want to drink again but he literally just went I don't drink anymore Mm -hmm. so there was some sort of healing that happened Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure that if he had carried on the way that he was at that time he probably would have been he would not have lived to be 83 like yeah. he did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so. you mentioned earlier that you were in Newfoundland for a couple of years. Did you have we any were in Newfoundland? Experiences, yeah. New a, a couple of experiences there.
1: We did. Um, Newfoundland is the first place that I had daytime experiences. Uh so the we were doing or I was doing CE5 solo when I first started out, and then through um social media i was able to find out that there was like this hidden community um in the spiritual paranormal realm Mm -hmm. because newfoundland is is a very um disciplined discipline place and you can talk about extraterrestrials you can talk about mythology like fairy folk and things like that but if you start to talk about anything on the spiritual realm it's labeled witchcraft and you usually end up getting quite a bit of rebuttal so there's this underground community there That's quite broad and and very and very interesting so i started to do ce5 contact with a small group of this community um in newfoundland just to you know because they were all interested And ETs was a safe topic. Um, And during one of those, I had me and two other women, and we did a weekend uh, where we were at one of their cabins. And uh, so we did an entire weekend of meditations, and um, we didn't restrict it to being just during the nighttime. One of the things that I had planned is a trip to this uh, abandoned property where there is uh, what they call uh, a fairy tree ring. So this is, I believe they're elm trees Mm -hmm. that have got to be over 100 years old. They were planted in a circle on this abandoned piece of property. And it's very magical. Uh, The whole area is just... um, you can just feel it when you're in there and amongst those trees. And they're so tall that they've, they've come up in this circle and then competing for space, they've grown outwards. So all the branches look, it looks kind of like uh, the branches have come out and um, like an umbrella sort of um, developed in that way. I don't know if that helps. Do you understand okay. what I mean by, can you get a visual from that?
0: I, I am, I'm sort of visualizing possibly what you might see on front of a book of a, um, on, the, on the front cover of a book or something that kind of, of a, Yes. I guess something a bit mystical.
1: Yes, yes. So we, with this group on the last day we were there, we took this field trip and we had brought some offerings because you do that when you're doing. And you're working with like the mythical type of creatures like fairies. We brought some offerings and uh, we had our little visit. And then on the way back, there was this very large, probably the size of a football field uh, craft that we spotted on the side of the road up in the air. So it was on the right hand side of the road, way up in the air. And we were watching it. And filming it and like talking in an excited voice, you know, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is actually happening. And we were describing it to each other and, you know, like it would disappear behind trees and then we'd get past the trees and we could see it again. I was in the front passenger seat. The other person was driving. And then there was another person behind me who was filming over my left shoulder. And we were both, you know, like visually checking to make sure that the craft was in our, our cameras and we were filming away and it was, it was amazing. So, and and then we went past this final set of trees and when we got past those trees, it wasn't there anymore. So we decided to pull over to calm down because um, I don't know if you haven't experienced something like that, it's really hard to explain in words just how much it affects you Mm -hmm. how um the understanding and the realization that we're not alone is is you get so grounded with that so we pulled over and we were talking about it trying to calm down and and guess who calls me out of the blue In in the beginning here you're asking me who uh I learned from, which oh, Deborah, was Deb Deborah, Warren Deborah, from Okanagan Sea City. She calls me out of the blue. I answer the phone call because I'm still like, well, what's the chances of her calling me right at this moment? I said, hello, Deb. Mm-hmm. And she said, hi, I was told I had to call you. What's going on? So we had this conversation over um, because she's really good at guiding you into, okay, so what was this about? Mm-hmm. Right. What did I just see? What did I just experience? So she was asking us questions on the phone, trying to get more information, and it was basically just what we had experienced was confirmation that uh yes, there is life on other planets, yes, they're here, mm-hmm. and that you know what um what I was doing with teaching everybody c e five that I was teaching at that time was a good thing it was in, so the yeah, the vis- yeah. visualization and the visit was to confirm
0: so when was this and roughly in what what year was this
1: it was in this was in 2017
0: okay and yeah you said it was the size of a football field
1: it was it was huge it was it was quite um so it If you were to say in general, it was a triangular shape, but it wasn't just straight, it wasn't just straight angles. Uh, The main part of it was straight. And then near the back, um, it cut in two times before it went straight across. You could see, I could clearly see and everybody else could clearly see that it was streamlined. But it was it was square on the side, so there was a flat surface on the side, and it was completely flat on the top and the bottom.
0: Okay. Did you say yeah. you got video footage of this?
1: We did, however, okay. and I still got it. The only problem is the craft didn't show up. It didn't show up on my camera and it didn't show up on Ashley's camera who was filming behind me.
0: Okay. Yeah. that? <laughs> Was it um, a normal camera or, or infrared?
1: I No, they were just cell phones.
0: Cell phones, yeah. yeah. Okay. But you, you saw it in the visual spectrum. Or at least, we, was it shadow? Well,
1: yeah. And we could both see it on our cameras, which is why it was so confusing. So what is the conclusion? Um, most people say, and Stephen Greer also says this, is that you need to ask permission before getting this type. Of proof now had we been able to capture that on our our um, cameras on that day I don't know what would have happened Mm -hmm. because that would have been probably too much for anybody to have accepted
0: sure but we are in this in this world at the moment where there seems to be UFO videos popping up everywhere and we wonder if they're CGI and things and people might say the same thing so might
1: have said the same thing we might have questioned it too much Mm -hmm. ourselves, right? Like we may have watched the footage and gone, well, no, that can't really be real. Or there could have been repercussions where, um, because it's not beyond the realm of possibility. And you'll find this out in my book that there are groups of people who don't really want this type of information to be common knowledge. So had it provided, proof that people would have accepted it also would have gone into that category we would have probably have had a visit from the military and they would have questioned us about oh, it so there's a there's a whole bunch of reasons why yeah. but i do like to tell the story still because first of all always ask permission before you're getting footage of anything and um second of all really think it through do you want to be somebody who discloses this type of information to mm-hmm. the public.
0: and when you got um back i and think you that went through foot- very carefully <laughs> so well,
1: what we did was when we, we after talking to deb we drove straight back to this person's cabin and i had my com- my laptop computer there and we didn't know any that we hadn't caught the footage at that time so immediately i connected through a cable, I connected it to the laptop and downloaded the the video on both of our phones, and then we opened it up to take a look at it. And it was just us talking, excited, and nothing but blue sky and trees.
0: Okay, that's uh, so. That's, that's I know. Did you have doubts then? Did you start to think, oh, maybe something didn't happen, or were you still sure that it happened?
1: Oh, at that time, no, we didn't have doubts. We were just very confused as to why. Uh, three of us had had the exact experience Mm -hmm. exact same experience and we're using the same words to describe what we saw and then not being able to get it on film yeah so that was the hard part was going like okay well that at i think at the time what we all felt was like we failed we failed somehow Mm -hmm. and we had this amazing uh opportunity and event happen to us and we failed (laughs) because (laughs) there wasn't any film footage of it yeah but were you you looking
0: for that though you were looking for self-confirmation of it so in some ways you'd succeed to get that
1: well yes and it would have been you know even though I'm saying you need to think these three things through very clearly so that you understand all the implications it would have been uh, amazing to have that footage sure absolutely amazing if we yeah
0: How do you do the field work? And is there anything you did on that specific day that was, you felt had an impact in terms of CE5? Uh,
1: Well, we had, we were doing, um, we did a lot of healing work to start with. Uh, We, we did very clear intention. We were doing um, chanting. So Stephen Greer's mantra that he teaches the I'm Nama we were doing that which is basically i believe it's sanskrit for it's a um, connection to your higher vibrational okay. energies it's good. not a puja a simple pardon me it there's might a puja.
0: be there's a puja, on it could be a puja. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
1: yeah but it's i think it's summer it's summarized as being connecting yourself to your higher source a higher mm. frequency a higher vibration um We were doing multiple meditations that day and remote viewing uh, at the same time. We have, I do have uh, an audio recording that's interesting um, somewhere in my archive of files on my external drive where we did a meditation the night before, and they didn't tell me that they had, they were both having. Slight fears about what would happen. So it was successful for them, but we had um, all three of us heard footsteps in the house, the the or the cabin, I should say, because it is a cabin. So the living room in this cabin, where we were doing the meditation in that night, has a glass door jo- that is in between the living room and the kitchen. The glass door was shut. Um, so what we heard was the the door opening and something came in and stopped right at the glass door now because I was doing the meditation I wasn't deep in an altered state so I was looking at the door and I couldn't see anything there when they both came out of it they talked about the fact that they heard these footsteps and I went that's interesting because I heard them too so we checked the audio recording that we had and you can actually hear the last part of the footsteps coming up to the door so that we do have an audio recording of that
0: okay so you once again you know like yeah
1: yeah once again it doesn't really prove anything because how how simple would it be to imitate footsteps i mean yeah so it's it's um because we had the experience that it means something to us not necessarily to anybody else yeah. And I am somebody who I do push really hard to discredit anything because if something was to happen, I want to be able to say without a shadow of a doubt that this was an authentic genuine experience, not just something that we uh, used creative imagination with if that makes mm-hmm. any sense yeah
0: have you ever, have you done other C5 events and had similar experiences or have they been maybe you've had somewhere nothing's happened or
1: um, well, there has been a couple that nothing's has really happened of importance. Um, however, when I was doing it with Deb Warren, I did it with Deb Warren from 2011, August 2011, all the way to uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. So there was a long period of time there where we were doing it monthly. And uh, I have every one of those every one of those encounters, I had the same reaction. Okay, that's good enough. I'm good for the rest of the year. If nothing else happens, I'm satisfied with what I just experienced. And then the next month would come and I would say it all over again. Okay, to note, um, one of the last ones I did before we went to Newfoundland was in Mara BC at my house. And it was Mm -hmm. just me and Deb Warren and um so we were a little bit more loose with our rules we were doing self-directed meditation rather than guided and i got the message at that time to look in a particular spot in the sky so i told her and um, she said okay well, we'll get up and we're going to look at that spot in the sky and then nothing the was happening, and I was waiting and waiting. And I well, maybe, Deb, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I was just imagining that one. And then we had a, I must have lasted close to a minute, where a uh, object that looked like a meteor entering the atmosphere, but it came, it went up on like a mm-hmm. 35 degree angle. So it started near uh, the field. we were looking out at and it went up and then disappeared so it was a it was the reverse visual of like a falling star except this was a shooting star it was going up Mm -hmm. and uh deb was so excited when she saw that she was yelling that's not a comet that's Mm -hmm. a ufo so she was really excited by that Then we found out that there were similar sightings that night. Um, One in Edgewood, where a friend of mine had been outside uh, because he smoked at the time. He was outside having a cigarette, and he saw three beings walking across the field uh, in the house that he was renting. And then another group of people in Kelowna, BC. So from where I was in Mara to Edgewood, to Kelowna BC was a triangular pattern. So the one in, <clears throat> in Kelowna BC, I actually saw it on a Facebook feed um, talking about that they had seen something similar to ours, and then it was, you know, like it looked like a, a meteor going up. Mm-hmm. So at the same at the same time. So this all happened within the, I think it was about three hours around when we had our sighting so there was a lot of activity that particular, yeah. that particular did he get a
0: description of the beings
1: yeah but he said they were uh tall gray skin looking beings that they were wearing some sort of um their so their arms were longer than that of a human and they were quite thin and quite tall so seven plus and they all look very similar so they were almost clone looking like yeah
0: okay and uh turning to your book for a bit in terms of uh what these are you mentioned uh, the difference between interdimensional beings and extraterrestrials i don't know you want to expand on the sort of differences you, you theorize
1: yes so it's similar to what you get with um edgar mitchell and his uh association um free i think it's just for foundation for research into extraterrestrial experiences i think that's what free stands for mm-hmm. do you know what i'm talking about yeah
0: I've, I've heard of it i don't know much about it but i've heard about So
1: so he did a study that basically confirms what I think is reality, that not all these encounters are with an extraterrestrial intelligence. So in the book, I talk about extraterrestrial being something that is off planet, but within our reality or our time frame. So this touches a little bit on the uh, multi-universe theory. Mm-hmm. but i term alien as being something that is outside of is an encounter with something that exists in our space but is outside of our perceptions so that could be uh, outside of our perceptions could be defined as in a different dimensional reality now i understand that extraterrestrials transdimensionally shift For travel or for when they're interacting with us so that there's a safety involved so that they're not attracting attention so there's that quality too but i think that a lot of the times um, there's other beings like celestial or angelic they were coming up in edgar mitchell's uh, study where people were talking about encounters that were not extraterrestrial but we're also equally valid and beneficial towards the advancement of of mankind okay so does that make any sense then
0: uh a, a, a bit question? where do you where do you fit the paranormal side of things in there
1: oh um okay so when i do my paranormal consultation i'm not um i'm quite often doing a consult Uh, so i want to differentiate myself from investigator which is someone who looks for empirical proof so they the whole point of doing an investigation is to uh, gain evidence photographic audio uh video footage or any of those other ways that they do it using um Uh, tri-field meters or or those other gadgets. Uh, I'm not, I don't, I'd use that as a tool, but not necessarily as the means to an end. When I go in and do paranormal consultations, I'm helping the people learn about their particular situation, how their abilities um, have led them to this situation and what they can do on their own to maintain a safer or especially more private space because quite often what happens is a a sense of intrusion that they're being um, some people would even say violated at a certain level but yeah so there's there's that too and Dr. Greer is you know he's he's changed over the last couple years where he talks about the differentiating um, categories so he categorizes things and he does say that quite often people do confuse paranormal experiences with um, the, the contact from mm-hmm. extraterrestrial intelligence. It's very easy to do, yeah. And I do go into the book, I go into it a little bit more to help oh. people understand what it is so that they can have their own discernment as to what's going on.
0: So when uh, you talk about uh, extraterrestrials, do you talk about other beings who are living in uh in on other planets maybe they're living at in third density fourth fifth density or in the astral or
1: they can be yes, yes yes um so let let's use some reference points here um one of the uh communications that i had that i talk about in the book so let's back it up a little bit even further. Yeah. In 2016, I did a series of posts on my, the group that I had at the time on Facebook where I did channeled messages every Sunday, and I did it for an entire year. Um, some of the beings that came through for those channeled mes- messages were extraterrestrial. So there's a, there's a very different feel to it. Um, so i'm coming at this from a medium uh, point of view so my explanations are based in my experience as a medium when i talk to something that i would call a spirit guide it's um it's not a telepathic connection it's a communication that happens um on my psychic level so i'll either hear with psychic ears, or I'll be seeing, um, words that are given to me or, um, it'll be given to me in pictures, but it comes in and it's in my third eye is where mm-hmm. the communication happens okay. or what I actually have my, my third eye in the middle of my forehead. And I actually have something that I call my psychic ears, which are just, uh, at the top near my ears, but behind them. So, so that's the session
0: starts how do they, how do you go about getting these sessions going these channels uh,
1: it's it's with meditation yeah so i use i use meditation to enter into what i would call an altered state okay so it's not it, the way that we're communicating right now is awake very alert a conscious mm-hmm. state when i do this i'm in an, an altered um subconscious state where my um so, I guess my brain waves would be in a different frequency. So, that's Spirit Guide. Uh, then, when I was getting information from various different extraterrestrial beings during that year that I was doing channeled information, almost always it was telepathic. And that means that I would, um, I would sense something was around and then be able to ask questions and then hear answers on a telepathic level so me and for me telepathic or telepathy is it coincides with empathic abilities
0: how do you know that you're getting a telepathic message versus just hearing your own voice um well, it wasn't me.
1: It, was, it wasn't me talking. So it would sound very different. The one that I mainly, and I talk about this in the book too, I think, not to the full extent, like I did excerpts from the channel material in the book. The one that was so different was um, a being that told me to call him Eant. So it's E A N T. And his sense of humor was completely different than mine and the whole, the whole time that he was communicating with me telepathically. um, So it's when my spirit guides, it seems like it's information that's coming from a heavenly source. So it would be above me that I sense. And I get this information in my third eye with him. I would actually see an image of him in front of me. And the t- telepathic communication was coming from that image, and I was hearing okay. it on a tem- telepathic level.
0: I know <laughs> it. I know
1: it's probably hard for people to understand who haven't had that experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does he? Did he uh, have any pleasantries? Did he say, "Hey, how's it going?" Or was it straight in?
1: Uh, he was usually straight in, but he was he was very, he was very funny. Okay. Um, and at one point he said, "We were all." like little chicks trying to crack outside of her crack out of her eggshell and then he'd go peep peep and then he'd laugh okay so,
0: so of, a, of a childlike yeah, humor a little bit
1: he had a great childlike humor he described <laughs> himself as um let me see if i remember this correctly uh david suzuki crossed with wayne dyer He he thought that he was um, he was a scholar he was studying humanity at this time at on this planet it wasn't his only field of study but that's what he was here for was just to observe and to understand what it was that we were going through at the time but he had yeah when when i was hearing him and writing things down it was certainly not it was not my guides it came through completely differently and it was certainly not my sense of humor it was very it was very nerd-like but still mm-hmm. made me laugh at the same time yeah
0: did did you uh take long to get to the point where you could channel or was this something that have you've had all your life i think you... oh
1: yeah it took a long time yeah okay yeah it's <laughs> uh, i wasn't somebody that it came naturally to
0: okay so
1: the, the project for a year was to actually help me get better at doing it yeah
0: okay yeah Yeah, because some people seem to develop it naturally yes
1: there's there's some people who have that as their first ability but like i said i'm primarily a a rescue medium which puts me in a different category but i've been doing this so long that there's other things that have happened there's other abilities that i've been able to also develop during the course of this so i started this when i was 17 and i'm 57 now Mm -hmm so that's a long time
0: yeah and uh that's that's
1: 40 years of doing it so yeah if i haven't made any progress i'd have to be you know like hitting myself over the head saying do better
0: (laughs) (laughs) and how long does it take you to get to when you start meditating to that altered state
1: i it depends on what's going on in my life i with and I'm sure this is something that everybody will relate to. Uh, everything has been difficult to do since the beginning of the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, with all the, the ruckus that's been going on in the world. And I imagine it's quite difficult now. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going yeah, on at the moment. Yeah. So I have to, and we've also changed. So everybody has gone through some growth on a spiritual level. And uh, we've changed so that things are not exactly the way that they used to be. So there's a lot of stuff. um, And anybody who has books uh, on this topic, on extraterrestrials or uh, spirituality or the paranormal will will relate to this. If you read some of that old stuff that was Mm -hmm. so valuable to me, like I I started reading this stuff when I was in my teen years. So I was reading books from the 70s so all those books from the 70s it's really hit and miss as to whether they even apply anymore yeah you Mm -hmm. can read them and go yeah this doesn't work anymore so it's not how the things how what this is not what the nature of reality is anymore so yeah yeah
0: and uh you you mentioned uh some time ago on on this that you were talking about uh sustainable living and spiritual growth the sort of the connections between the two I've met I've seen it a little bit about that in in your book I wonder if you could talk a bit about that
1: yes um so this is this is the connection between me and Celia Hatch really because um more than anybody else I've talked to in the CE5 community she has a um a similar comprehensive Uh, understanding as to what I mean when I say there's a connection between sustainability and spiritual evolution. Uh, And and that also connects into needing to progress to a level one civilization so that we can have more contact with what I call our star family or extraterrestrial intelligence. So where to start with that topic? Let me see. Right now we still think it's okay to damage things. We don't have to pay attention to the, to our footprint and uh, our connection to natural systems. So we still use products, create products that are not disposable, that are not renewable. Um, We withdraw from the planet resources that are irreplaceable. And we do it without consideration or thought as to it being finite. Um, We still hurt each other, right? There's still a big industry geared towards war and um, what the research that I've been doing lately talks about them being non-lethal weapons but they're they're horrific, nonetheless. Uh, we're you know recently uh, watching in the news what's going on with Ukraine. Uh, we still consider nuclear or the use of radioactive material um, to be a good thing to invest in. There's there's all these things that fall in the category of not being sustainable, or not creating a sustainable world. Uh-huh. Uh, my friend Don Elster talks about it this way. He says that he doesn't like sustainable because you could have um, a perpetual motion machine that's called, that's called sustainable, or you could have an economic system that's called sustainable. So he doesn't really attach the word sustainable to the environment. He talks about regenerative restorative and he also talks about we need to stop thinking short term and we need to start thinking long term we need to be in this for the long game Mm -hmm. now not Mm -hmm. just what our grandchildren inherit but we're talking about generations anywhere from 100 to 500 years from now we should be thinking about that now so that we can make appropriate changes When you look at things from a purely scientific point of view, there's lots of fatalistic thought that we have physically gone beyond repair or restoration. Um, People like David Suzuki talk about giving up, just enjoy the time that you got left because it's, you know, we've gone beyond anything that we can fix. But if you apply a spiritual outlook towards the science and you connect into it that way, that's where spiritual evolution comes into play and makes sustainability um, an achievable goal again. We can get there if we change the way that we think about each other. If we change the way that we look at the world, we can get back there again to Um, living in a world that is regenerative and restorative Mm -hmm. and that we don't we're not depleting things anymore because we're aware of a bigger picture that there's something beyond us that there is a whether it is an extraterrestrial intelligence or whether it's a spiritual realm there's something above us and beyond us that we also need to be aware of and tuned into when we're doing things in the physical so that's why i brought it up in the book was from that perspective that there's a there's a bigger picture here and we need to stop thinking beyond the moment and think long term be in it for the long game
0: what what do you think um if there are any any problems with the current uh sort of green revolution uh where a lot of The world has gone in terms of trying to restore the planet. Do you think there are any problems in in that? Any sort of myths? Well, there's out
1: there overused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think green is when they talk about green technology or the green movement. You do need to be careful of that. Excuse me. Yeah, so here's a good example we talk about wanting to do um uh you know electric cars yet the cost environmentally of of constructing those cars is still really high so the construction is not green Mm -hmm. the Product used in the construction of electric cars is not green. Uh, so those batteries, those batteries are awful. There is, they won't go anywhere. We're going to have landfill problems with the batteries from the, those vehicles. Then you're plugging it in <laughs> to, uh-huh. uh, so you've gotten rid of gas, but you're plugging it into uh, dirty electricity most of the time. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Where's the electricity that's charging up those batteries? Where's it coming from? Mm -hmm. So we're buying into, there is alternatives to this, but we're buying into this narrative because it's making somebody money. And there's a lot of people who are, and even more so these days, going to electric cars because they think that's a solution. Uh, you, and then windmills, well, there's a whole bunch of problems with windmills. Uh, solar panels are also very dirty because what do you do with the product when it's no longer working? And all the materials were made using electricity. So there, we need, um, and Dr. Greer talks about this, we need an energy source that is not depleting our resources, and that is not making a bunch of people a whole hmm. whack of money.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of thought that there are free energy uh, sources out there that have been withheld yeah. and withheld. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess that would be quite so useful the, right the, now.
1: <laughs> the original definition of a level one society was or there's three levels of society or civilization and all three of those are based on the source of energy used in the society so a level one civilization has an energy source that does not deplete or create um uh a byproduct that is not um Mm -hmm. Good for the environment. Yeah. And the and we have <clears throat> excuse me, tickle on my throat. We have enough funds to do exploration on this if we'd stop putting the budget into uh non-lethal weapons.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for instance. Or, you know, like, okay, so Bezos, Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. And who's the other guy? I think his first name is Greg. We're all doing this great philanthropy. They say that they're making a better world for us by using their money towards uh, the different things that they envision. Why not use that money to figure out some of the big problems, like energy?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting to know whether we need to sort ourselves out first before we're given the tools. A little bit to kind of prove ourselves
1: <laughs> oh yeah i i 100 believe that that mm. when we why would they give us anything if we're still hurting ourselves and hurting exactly, the planet yeah. and creating systems that are not restorative and that are damaging and that you know we've only got um a limited amount of time say for example we were to have a solar event that would take out the electronics on this planet Mm -hmm. we would fall in the chaos awfully quickly we would degress as Mm -hmm. a civilization awfully quickly and these are um things that have been talked about you know there's there's studies and understanding um our relationship to the sun and how uh, solar flares how often they happen uh there's a, a a youtube video um channel out there called suspicious observers and he goes into this in detail how we could um we could be facing um an apocalyptic event in our near future if we're yeah. not paying attention to yeah i've heard design. a lot from
0: david wilcock on the great solar flash theory yes and, um, yeah and he's shown that there was a, a, a solar flash in our nearest star proxima centauri and, yes. Uh, years ago, I think it was it 2012. Um, so, uh, I yeah, these things do seem to happen in space. Whether it happens to our sun, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's an interesting idea. It doesn't sound doesn't <laughs> sound great. Um, yeah, he talks about those that are that have ascended will won't experience it. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> well, I think that if you took that as a practical level and you said that we um, we spent time so I I talk about this, I don't talk about this in the book, but I talk about this more recently, Mm -hmm. that if we spent time promoting knowledge and um, supporting our children and our grandchildren's generation on developing intellectually, that uh, we would would be better set up if there was an event that was to happen. Mm -hmm. We would have the knowledge or the intelligence to know how to um, change things, or we would have things set up beforehand so that we were better prepared, if that makes any sense. I don't think that so herbalists and um, people in the pagan and Wiccan community talk about this, that the things that you need um, will show up in your environment. So if you're paying attention and you have, you have gotten your knowledge, you'll know how to use those things mm-hmm. in a way that will, when you need them in the future. Okay. And I think that that applies to the bigger scale with, with the planet. If you were paying attention, we would, you know. And I know that it's, it's, not, it's possibly not common knowledge yet because people are waiting for... Some big disclosure event. Uh, We want the government to tell us that UFOs are real instead of going by our own experiences. But I do know that technology has been given freely to the elected officials globally and it has not gotten to the public. Mm -hmm. I know that, like you were saying, there's information that's been withheld. we were supposed to be at the you know we were supposed to be at the Jetsons when in 1950s not in here we are <laughs> in 2022 and we still have so many things that are indicter- antiquated, so many things that are behind the times that sure. didn't progress it, it is yeah. something I spent- pondered
0: in terms of um, was that due to nefarious activity or was that to a certain extent because we weren't ready or a bit of both. It's hard to understand. I mean, I do know that there has been a lot of secrecy. The UFO cover-up is well, it's, it's massive, and <laughs> doesn't sound doesn't sound good at all. But you wonder when in this kind of bizarre um, world we live in that maybe there's a a hidden intention or a, a, a layer behind that that's saying, "Well, they're not ready; they're too warlike. We need to
1: um,
0: allow them this technology when when they're." going to be able to you know not be a threat to us
1: yes and um so we go back to the energy source issue yeah i don't know are you a star star trek fan
0: uh i have watched some of the more uh more recent ones actually yeah sort of just the so star the- trek discovery and stuff but they sort of the Luc yes. Picard and and uh those ones yeah
1: those are great yes so in star trek next generation they had uh, a movie that was about first contact um it was either a movie or a season finale i think it was a movie anyways they talked about the first contact moment being associated with the civilization developing sustainable technology that would take them off planet so in the narrative with Star Trek, that is the warp drive capability
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the discovery of dilithium crystals, I believe. So we have yet to even think in that direction. We're still using uh, fossil fuels to raunch locket, raunch <laughs> <laughs> launch rockets <laughs> um, into space. And that yeah so we're a long ways away from where we need to be Mm -hmm. but so once again if we were to say okay wait a minute everybody take pause and think this through um instead of uh having an education system that restrains knowledge if we were go we were to go back to let's develop our intellect as a priority mm-hmm. let's allow um, the next or the generations that are coming up to design new systems of education and to go in fields of study that are relevant for today's world rather than the old ones um, catherine austin fitz talks about this she talks about it a couple times in the last um uh, quarterly wrap-ups, where she says that, did you know that intellectually, the they were degressing intellectually because of the focus in on technology, and the various different means that we have uh, become dependent on. That are creating problems with development with children. So uh, we're not focused in on um, proper food. Uh, we're focused in on class when it comes to economics. So there's people out there that really don't have enough food to eat and can't develop intellectually because of that. Why is this still going on? Um, anyways, to wrap that all up, it comes back again to, uh, if you were able to approach this on a spiritual level, all of these things are tied together. Uh, our contact with our star family, are our developing ourselves uh, into a civilization that is ready and capable of handling that interaction. Um, and, and everything else, uh, our political systems that are all currently going through um, change and evolution, it's, it's all tied together. So if we were able yeah. to come back to a spiritual base again, and recognize that there's something else out there beyond our perceptions at times that is bigger than us. And there is an end game. There is a goal. We're supposed mm. to be here doing something, not just playing with our phones. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do you see the next few years playing out?
1: I think that, um, 2022 and 2023 are going to be, um, probably a lot similar to the last two years, unfortunately. They were still in the midst of change. Um, There's a saying out there that uh, discontent begets change. So if we were all comfortable and happy with what's going on, we wouldn't be going through the change that we're going through. Uh, On a philosophical or spiritual level, I believe that we're all connected, that uh, I'm in more control than I think I am. So what I see going on out in the world is not an opposing force or something evil. It's myself on some level having an experience. So I have more control than I think I do at times. So 20... 2022 and 2023 are going to be the years where we do some corrections. Uh, it's going to happen fast. I, I, since the beginning of the year, I have seen several things happen that, make, that give me hope. I don't feel despaired because I know that we've got another two years to go through this stuff. I actually see the end of the 2021 being the crest of the mountain when we're down the other side, but it's still going to be intense. This Mm -hmm. is, okay. So my guides, especially my star family, tell me that this is not just happening on planet earth, that our galaxy is also going through a change Mm -hmm. and our galaxy is also evolving. So that were a reflection of each other. So this, the micro and the macro again. Um, yeah, so I do, I do have hope. I know that there's a lot of people out there who are uh, in, the right, in the right zone, are thinking things through, are paying attention to what's going on. Uh, I don't know that we're gonna have a big disclosure event like we all want. You know, because we all want some spacecraft to, to land somewhere uh-huh. <laughs> and go out and give us definitive proof like, oh, there is really life on another planet. I don't mm. know that that's going to happen. I think that we're going to, uh, we're going to gradually get to that point. It won't be one oh. definitive view. Yeah. And it'll happen. I don't think it'll be the government. I think it'll be, uh, you know, like they've said, in other countries around the world, it'll be a group of school-aged children who say, hey, we just had an encounter. You know, we're out in the playground and this ship landed and they talk to us and here's the message that they have to say. I think it's going to happen that way more than it will happen with our, you know, like the president of the United States saying that he's been on board a craft or something. Yeah, and uh, I've
0: asked this, quite a few times in terms of uh, and i guess you've answered it in a way but uh i think I, th- I see disclosure coming from the ground up rather than from the top down i think you've kind of said oh, that yeah and yeah, ce5 100%. is a part of that
1: yeah ce5 is a part of that yeah yes yeah my my friend don elzer who uh has a, the wildcraft forest in let BC, he says that he has a vision of the planet communicating with us on mass we all Mm -hmm. wake up one morning and we've had this dream this encounter with Mm -hmm. uh the 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 orb that we live on and that it's undisputable so it's outside of any mainstream religion and we all know from that moment Mm -hmm. forward that we have to uh you know put our feet on or put our shoes on one foot at a time and get back to to basics and get back to being in line with natural systems rather than the artificial world that we seem to to want to go towards
0: i I wonder when we get mainstream media and the government sort of talking about this that we're kind of like yeah we know that it's not a surprise you know (laughs) it's kind of
1: yes i don't know that they ever will i don't i think that uh i don't know if you pay attention to the new terms but the mainstream media now is being called legacy media
0: (laughs) and the people
1: like you and me me are being called the new media and um i would like to see i would like to see us go back to an edward r murrell version of journalism where they that it was just reporting that you didn't have an opinion involved Mm. if people could if journalists could just go back to that so that we could get the information and make the opinion ourselves, then we'd be better off. Yeah. Right now, definitely. we're being told here's the information, but here's how you get to think about it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. It's yeah. not
0: just that; it's also this is something you don't need to know as well. A lot, lots hidden. People...
1: Exactly. The censorship is yeah. unbelievable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, that's been uh, amazing to hear all your stories and, um, and and about your book and everything and. I don't know if uh, you want to talk a little bit more about where people can get hold of you. I know you've you've got a web, a website as well, right?
1: Yes, so it's uh, West Coast Enlightenment, all one word dot com, and yeah. uh, you can find the book called "Oh Fuck You Mean There's More: <laughs> uh, An Intrepid Guide to Spiritual Evolution" on freezing Press.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Hopefully, we'll we might get to speak again sometime, but. Uh,
1: it yeah. And been. I think I I went way over our time allowance, but oh, no, you can no, edit it out no, no, if you can. No, of
0: course. <laughs> uh, no, these, these are freeform and uh, always good to hear as much as I can really and get as much context. Okay. That's fantastic.
1: Okay. Uh, Thank you. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you too.